Welcome to the EverSaline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. Today, we'll turn over some rocks and get right into the world of Lean Six Sigma to explore what sets it apart from other methodologies. It's a term heard a lot in the world of continuous improvement, but what is it and how does it work? We'll also learn how to determine if Lean Six Sigma is the right fit for your organisation and how the pandemic and remote and hybrid working has changed the landscape in how people are learning today. To really understand this, we need an expert. And as luck would have it, I'm joined here in the studio by a very special guest indeed, as Martin Brennig-Jones, a true legend in the field of operational excellence, is here with me. Now, Martin is a friend of the show and the executive chair at Catalyst Consulting Limited. He's a BQF certified Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt with extensive experience in quality, program and project management, process improvement and advanced quality management techniques like Agile and Lean Six Sigma. He has trained and coached leaders of all levels all around the world, helping to create brilliant organisations by developing people. We'll be picking Martin's brains to leverage his impressive knowledge and experience in this space, and he'll share insights from his co-authored best-selling book, Lean Six Sigma for Dummies, which has sold nearly 100,000 copies worldwide. So without further ado, let's meet the main man himself and get started. Martin, welcome to the EverSaline podcast. Oh, crikey, Matt. How am I supposed to follow that? That That's fantastic. I like to set people up well. (laughs) oh dear me okay i'm here (laughs) you're here you are an amazing guest thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today oh it's an absolute pleasure honestly i really i really love your podcast and i've been listening to some and it's just great the way you do this so i'm i'm already a massive fan as you might already know thank you so much so just to let people into a little secret so i gave martin a ring last year i think it was the end of last year and i said i've got an idea martin i think i should make a podcast and martin has been so supportive and catalyst consulting who sponsor the podcast have been right behind me all the way and i think we're an awesome team and you've you've introduced me to some wonderful people in the continuous improvement world and really opened some doors for me to learn from people and to spread the word about this this wonderful platform to share information so thank you for that it's awesome oh it's brilliant that's very well deserved it's great stuff it's is I love the way you do this. And I mean, the whole thing about getting the message out as well, because that's what we want to do. We want to get more people to know about this stuff, um, more people to kind of think, actually, you know, this this could be good. We could try this out because, you know, we, we, we know, don't we, how brilliant it is. And that's the whole reason for the whole podcast idea, really, I guess, is to get the message out. Absolutely. And break down that perception. I think when people hear the word continuous improvement, they can automatically think, oh, this is really complicated. This is really hard. Like, how are we going to do this? We can't do this. We're not up for this. And I think trying to you know, get that message across that it's not really difficult. It doesn't have to be really complicated. It's really just about people. And that's the premise of this podcast is to be able to sort of introduce it to people that perhaps wouldn't normally dip their toe in that water. Yeah, that's right. But the great thing about this stuff is that when you learn it, you find that you can apply it anywhere, really. And that is really great. So, you know, in terms of your career development, I mean, gosh, it's just fantastic because it gives you the opportunity then to dive into all sorts of different situations, you know, hopefully give a new way of thinking about solving problems, about designing new things, uh, about making things happen, really, which is what we love, really. Yeah, definitely. So tell us how you ended up in this field then. Where did it all start for you? Take us back into the day. So um, I, I was born in Cardiff, so I'm still I'm very much a Welshman in my heart. I support the Welsh rugby team, although didn't do too well this year. Um, so I started life, and I feel as if I did start life as an engineer because I was always interested in you know taking things apart. <laughs> I'm reminded of that uh, that Dilbert cartoon, you know, when 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 his mum when he's little Dilbert, he's taking the dog. We've got a problem actually that he's not. Don't think he's really normal. He keeps on kind of taking things apart and stuff and you know 
Putting them back in. And he built a ham radio. He, he built, and he said, what's worse is he built a ham radio set. And the doc says, oh, dear, it's worse than I feared. <laughs> oh, his mum says, what do you think it is? I'm afraid your son, he's, he, will, he, will he need a normal life? No, I'm afraid not. He's going to be an engineer. <laughs> that was so you, Martin. It's, it's me, characterised by all things, you know, electrical, mechanical, and other social ineptitude. Um, <laughs> so that's that's it. So no, I was always interested in um, how things work and taking things apart. You know, right from being a kid, electronics and radios. When I was a, a kid, actually, when I was a teenager, as soon as I can, I was building radios, transmitters. You know, the whole thing. And I was just fascinated by it. Then I got onto motorcycles and took my engine apart. Of oh, course. wow. <laughs> I did actually manage to get that back together again, which is, well, it's how you learn, isn't yeah. it? It's how you learn. And then, and then, so I went off and did en- engineering, electronics, actually. And then I, j- I joined a fantastic company called BT as a graduate. And I had a fantastic career with them. And I worked in, you know, um, serious electronic engineering systems, software, you name it. And I got more and more interested in how organizations work in the same kind of way, you know, analytical kind of thinking about, I wonder if we can take it apart and put it back together again. And what are the key things that really make an organization successful? And then I guess later on, I kind of discovered the world of quality but it wasn't the traditional kind of ISO 9000, although, you know, I, I inherited at one point all these ISO 9000 auditors and quality managers and all the rest of it. I didn't know what I'd done to deserve that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but my view was was very much um, I was very addicted to the European model, you know, that had been developed by the European Foundation for Quality Management. They developed this model of excellence. In other words, what are all the things you need to do if you want to run a really successful organization? And that's what really kind of inspired me to get more interested in that world of quality and business improvement and all the rest of it. And and that's that's where it started. So I've been in this world doing this kind of stuff now probably for about 30 odd years wow. um, and still learning. It's great. It's just really, really great. I love it. It's interesting. Most of the people that I've had the pleasure of speaking to on this podcast, when I've asked them about the beginning of their journey, more often than not, the journey started when they were younger in an interest in dismantling things or building things. And yeah, I, I mean, I was a teen when I was a te- I was a teenager, like we all were. But when I was a teenager, my next door neighbor gave me a motorbike and it needed doing up. Oh. And um, I remember stripping it apart and getting the Hayes manual. Do you remember the Hayes manuals you could get that told you how to do it? Yeah, I've got a few of those. Never went back together. I sold it for scrap in the end I couldn't work out how to put it back together <laughs> that's really interesting actually because um again I think it was a bit of a, a, a little entrepreneur inside me as well because um it, I started buying and selling bikes you know push bikes when I was a kid when I was a teenager and uh kind of worked my way up you know and all that kind of stuff and um I had various jobs as a student as well and I, I loved it I, I, there's definitely always been a bit of an entrepreneurial streak in me as well actually. yeah you're like the Welsh Alan Sugar oh that's what we should refer to you as now on. Please, please not. <laughs> it's funny though. If you could see, if you could see Marty now, he's sitting in the boardroom chair, and I can imagine him going, "You're fired." Just, just to one of his people, I could see it. Oh no, it's definitely, that's definitely not my style. So, tell us about the work that you do at, at Catalyst Consulting because you've recently picked up a new role, which is super exciting. Yeah, well, I'm I'm the executive chair. I'm actually the comfy chair that you can sit on. No, I mean, I I, be, I have a whale of a time. It's great. You know, we're doing really well as a company at the moment. We're expanding rapidly. And uh, so, yeah, there have been a few changes. Uh, some of the original founders have moved on. I mean, I was very fortunate, really, to have kind of met and been influenced by some great people, actually, in Catalyst. The original founders, Vince Grant and Barbara Bird and John Morgan, God rest his soul, and I, we were all the four kind of initial owners of the company, if you like. But we wanted to we wanted to make it a company which was a little bit different and taking on some of our own kind of thinking and medicine, really, and make it one that is owned by the people who work for it as well. So we've gone for, you know, a share owning company. Uh, we've encouraged the uh, members of staff to own shares in the company and to feel that it's their company. You know, so it's um we're not a <clears throat> they're not a boss centric. I've never been a boss centric type of organisation because you know they know what to do, and um, it's just creating the the freedom and the space and and developing people and actually recruiting as well. So one of the things I uh, probably spend quite a bit of my time on have done really is recruiting the team, and and that's for me really really key. 
so nowadays, um, we've just appointed uh, James Duan, who's a brilliant guy who's got a fantastic background, you know, co- covering the world of Agile, Lean, and you name it. And, and he's actually also a kind of software guy background as well. So he's just about got everything. <clears throat> Although he did do Latin at university, which is a bit strange. Um, <laughs> Let's throw that one not in there. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. But he's great. So he's now our new CEO. And I've taken, I wouldn't say it's a backseat role, but definitely, you know, a more kind of distant role in terms of the, the chair, which gives me time to do some of the things I want to do as well, really, without worrying too much about the day-to-day running of the operation. So I'm having, as I say, I'm having a really great time. It's really, really good. I'm still very much a practitioner, so still very much working with, um, you know, a certain number of clients, helping them. Uh, you know, one minute I might be helping uh, facilitate workshops in a local authority. The next minute I might be working for a very large um, central government department, helping them to look at the way they improve their quality approach throughout the organization or, or working for a construction company or whatever it is. You know, so that's that side of it is really 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 good and uh yeah hopefully it'll give me a bit more time to uh do a bit more writing as well because as you i mean you know the, the lean six sigma for dummies book was great we've also written one called lean six sigma for leaders uh which i think is really important the kind of leadership role and trying to make this stuff accessible to everybody i really love the the uh, lean six sigma for dummies book I've, I've got a copy and what i really like about it is the way you, you don't need to read it from cover to cover you can pick it up as and when you're doing different activities and, and it guides you in the right way and the level that it's pitched at it's not really complicated jargon you know, like a word salad of really technical terms it's leveled for somebody that's just starting out and it's really simple to follow and i really like that that's really really good for me when I first got involved in Six Sigma, probably about 20, 20 odd years ago, you know, I just wanted to learn more and more and more about it. So I used to go and buy all these books. I've got, I've got a ton of books over here, you know, every book you can think of on, on the subject. And I just, you know, read, 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 learn, 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 go out and find out more about it. And um, when they approached us, um, this is obviously, you know, many years later, they approached us, Wiley approached us. And I remember taking a call actually from Wiley, who are the publishers of the Dummies books. And they said, we're, we're looking for authors who uh, they particularly wanted European authors, interestingly. Um, And I think they felt that our approach was very much to bring together the different types of approaches, you know, lean thinking and Six Sigma, rather than being separate together. And that's certainly been our philosophy and our, our thinking around there's some great stuff, you know, in the lean world and in the Six Sigma world, bring it all together. And you've got a fantastic, uh, very powerful toolkit and approach, really, which can be adapted for anything. So that was it. And they said, you know, the dummies, when you get to do a dummies book, they give you, uh, they say, look, read a few dummies books. We'll give you a few to read through and kind of have a, because it's exactly as you say, you know, you've got to be able to kind of dip in anywhere, really. People don't read them. It's not like, you know, Tale of Two Cities or something. You're not going to beginning uh, and go through to the end and read it all the way through. You're going to dip in and out all the way, way through it. So to make it accessible, I really like their approach, actually, with dummies books, because it is, again, struck a chord because what we want to do is to make this stuff uh, readily available and accessible to all sorts of different types of people and the books I was reading originally were quite quite technical actually quite kind of theoretical some of them and quite advanced in some of the application of for example statistics and mm. and a lot of the time you don't really need to use that sort of stuff it's great to have it as an engineer, it's fine, you can get it. But, you know, a lot of people, it's like, oh, this is impenetrable. Yeah. And so making it more available yeah, and accessible for everybody is really, really great. Um, and not, not frightening people off with it as well. I mean, it's bad enough with a name, isn't it? Lean Six Sigma. Yeah. Even that's it's quite hard to say. You're spot on. It, it, it's that, that, those sums and all those equations in there, that that's what puts people off. It's what put me off initially. When, you know, when I first got involved in continuous improvement, I looked at all the different types of methodologies that are out there. Six Sigma was the one I was like, well, I'm not going nowhere near that. It's just well above me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And it's, it's such a shame because it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. It's just been perceived in that way because what you, if, you, if you Google Six Sigma, you see all of these weird equations. You don't see what's behind it. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and there are some really good elements from the world of Six Sigma that are integrated in with the world of Lean, which you wouldn't necessarily get if you just did a kind of Lean program as opposed to a Six Sigma. So nowadays we blend the things together 
and we, and we start with our training programs. We start at a very kind of basic level without people having to know anything, actually. You know, we don't have to have a sort of mathematical background or an engineering degree or anything like that. Anybody can use this stuff. And a lot of the tools and techniques can be applied very readily in everyday operations in all kinds of organizations. Mm. So I'm currently doing some really interesting work with a local, big local authority, actually, and working with, you know, all, all kinds of people there. And uh, it's great when you see, you know, when, when the penny drops, you go through and actually, to be honest, some of the stuff is fairly basic. You look at, let's, let's have a look at the data. Let's get the process. Let's have a look at how it's currently operating at the moment. Get that map together. Get people working together in a room or in a virtual room nowadays, of course. But it's really great to do that. And, and all of a sudden, people go, oh, my goodness me. Is that the way, <laughs> is that the way we do it? Yeah. How many times have you heard that? Oh my God, is that is that our process? <laughs> oh yeah, and immediately, immediately you can see things which are pretty obvious that become visible. And one of the things I, I love about this stuff is is and, and you know our colleague Jenny Levers, who you know, has always said this. You know, it's about making the the invisible visible. We're making the processes that are often, particularly in transaction-oriented organizations like a local authority or whatever, you know, it's not like a factory where you can see the thing going down the production line. Yeah. You can make them visible by mapping those processes out. And the same with data as well. The data, how are we doing in terms of data? Let's get some data. Let's put it in some nice graphical charts and make it visual. So that thing about visual really is very powerful, actually. And, and then people can see and go, whoa, <laughs> I can see how we can improve this. Yeah, you need to see it to understand it. And if you can't see it, you're not going to understand it. And I think that's always the key. When I first kicked off about 15 years ago, Six Sigma was, was more complicated because of you, you didn't have the tools readily available that you have now. So back then, if we were trying to work out uh, the variation or, you know, create a bell curve or a histogram, you was in Excel and you was trying to program Excel to create it. And it was a really difficult process. Nowadays, you've got things like Minitab. That you just drop the data in and it does it for you. You've got apps you can get on your phone where you just put it in. You've got ChatGPT that does it for you. Like it's a totally different world now. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Yeah, that's right. And um, if you come to our, our website, Catalyst Consulting, there's actually some free stats tools that we've made available because it's exactly for that. We just want to let people see. So if you want to do a, you know, a Pareto chart, a histogram or a basic control chart or whatever, come along and, and put it in and actually use it. It's it's really it's really doable. You know, one one of the team actually developed that capability. But you're absolutely right. And I mean, we've been doing some great experimentation uh, with uh, things like um, uh, ChatGPT, for example, and regarding ChatGPT as another member of your team. And it's it's great. So, you know, I, I need I need an elevator speech. Here's here's some information about the project I'm working on. Can you come up with elevator? I mean, you've got to you've got to edit it. You've got to keep an eye on it. It's not perfect by any means at all. But it just gives a different view and a different slant. And it's very impressive, actually, how it we're is beginning to see. But what I love about this stuff is that it's bringing loads of different things together nowadays. Although, you know, we call it Lean Six Sigma, and it doesn't matter what you call it, to be honest. You can call it all sorts of things, and people do. Um, and nowadays, we're integrating into that, you know, things like artificial intelligence, as we said, you know, robotic process automation, digital you name it really and absolutely bring it all together it's all about making change happen making organizations you know better places to work in better places to be with better results really so it's just great you know so that's what really kind of makes it exciting i think for everybody mm. who gets involved in this world because you kind of see the opportunity and how we can make things happen how we can change things how we can redesign things improve things and that really appeals, doesn't it? Because as a human race, we always want to do things better. So for people listening now that are just starting out on their continuous improvement journey, and they've done a little bit of research, and they've heard all these different terms, you've got the Toyota production system, you've got lean, you've got world-class manufacturing, what sets Lean Six Sigma aside from all those others? How would you describe it in real layman's terms? What is Lean Six Sigma? It's actually all of those things together, really. If you look at what's inside the box, if you go under the bonnet and have a look at lean or world-class manufacturing or anything else, and you look at the combination that we're talking about here with, with we're calling Lean Six Sigma, 
then basically it's bringing together all the tools and techniques that have been developed. Some of these things have been around for years, you know, go back to the traditional quality gurus from the last century. And there's some fantastic stuff in there, which has not changed. And it's still very relevant today, like Deming, for example, you know, go and read about Deming and you think I'm just rereading, you know, one of his books at the moment, because I think it's so critically important, but that's another subject. I think, so what what's different about it is that it is bringing all these different things together and in a way i think it's about bringing people on opening up people's minds changing the way they think about things and adapting the tools and techniques to fit the situation that you're working in you know so that's the that's the key thing is you understand that you've got this toolkit you can learn some of the basic stuff very, very quickly and start to apply it very, very quickly indeed. Go on a you know, go on a two-day yellow belt course and you'll you'll find that a very practical application-based, you know, um, training course. It's a bit like a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> so we know the plumber comes along and the plumber's got a bunch of tools in the bag, right? And those tools are the ones that the favorite tools of the plumber, the ones they know they're going to use on pretty well every job. They're they're top tools. And that's the same thing with you do the yellow belt or, the, or potentially green belt level, you know, the basic level stuff. You can learn the basic level tools. These are the ones that you'll be using in every every kind of job that you go to, every project that you're working for. And those are the tools you really want to know. And they become your favorite tools. You know, the stuff that you know about the process mapping, the visual, all that stuff we talked about. But then occasionally there's a really complicated bit more, you know, oh, this is tricky. So they go out to the van <laughs> and open up the back of the van and there's some, you know, heavy duty stuff in there which they can pull out and use when they need to, you know. So we've got a blocked drain and it's going across the garden and we need to put down one of these things that's going to drill down and zip, go underneath like a mole and unblock it or something. Really fancy stuff, which is fantastic. And it's like that with the world of Lean Six Sigma. You know, we have some very fancy tools uh, that we we probably only get out every now and then when we need to. But this is the, the art of the, you know, the, the skill of the master black belt or whoever, the practitioner, really, to be able to know when when to use the right tools in the right situation and not over-engineer things either. You know, we don't want to use those really complicated tools on a really simple, you know, just got to fix a problem in the in the kitchen <laughs> what's, what's that saying use it use a sledgehammer to crack a walnut you don't want to use a sledgehammer to crack a walnut that's it yeah which means yeah. you're using much too big a tool for something that doesn't require it yeah you mentioned some of the the colored belts there and one of my favorite things about six sigma and probably something that people have heard so often are the belts do you want to just give a real basic overview of, of the the belts and what succession they run in and what they mean sure so the belt thing, you know, the, the martial arts world, I think it was probably down to the world of Six Sigma in, in the 80s when originally there was the development of the ideas. And at that time, martial arts was really popular in the States particularly. Um, so they, they used this belt thing to categorize the skill level which um, a number of us at the time thought, it'll never, it'll never, it'll never work, you know, it's become a global standard. So the, the very basic starting point is a white belt. So you could do a half-day training session and get a white belt. You're not going to get certified as a white belt, but it's a great way to get just awareness for a lot of people about what are the basics of this stuff, maybe a half day or a one day program. And then the next one up from that is called the yellow belt, which, you know, as I say, typically it's a two day or maybe a three day program covering the, the basic ground fundamental tools, the ones that you're going to need in your tool bag every day. And it's a very practical uh, application of these different tools uh, that, you, as I say, that's very helpful for people who want to become members of project teams and maybe run small improvements uh, projects themselves. And the level above that is called Green Belt. Okay, this is um, probably for us. It's the most popular course that we run, and it's usually about a week or six days, typically running maybe smaller modules. It's really intended for people who are going to be leaders of improvement projects. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's a great qualification anyway for anybody who wants to learn more about, you know, the Lean Six Sigma approach to get to know a very wide range of tools and techniques without going into the more advanced, uh, particularly the more advanced statistical tools. Now, the level above that is the Black Belt. 
And traditionally, the black belt in the world of Six Sigma is somebody who does get into the more advanced stats tools. Get You mentioned Minitab, gets familiar with that, understands that. I mean, there are variations of a theme around all this, around the world, of course, you know, depending on on which type of uh, organization you're working with, you can see you can get advanced green belts and so on. But let's talk about black belt. Well, in the last couple of years, and we developed what's called the business black belt alongside the traditional black belt. The traditional black belt is great if you're going to be going down the kind of more Six Sigma route, need to understand the advanced statistical tools, particularly if you're working for, um, I mean, for example, one of the organizations we work for is um, a contact lens manufacturer, the second biggest contact lens manufacturer in the world. And a tiny change of yield makes a massive difference to the bottom line. So they are really into the advanced statistics. But the business black belt is really interesting because in kind of um, response to conversations um, uh, that we've had with a lot of our clients, we've developed this and it really is much more of a holistic approach. So it covers things like agile, business agility. We cover change management, by the way, in either black belt. That's really important. If you're going to be good as a a practitioner at this stuff, you really need to understand the human side of change. Why, why people react the way they do, different types of uh, change management techniques, leadership, teamwork and all the rest of it. So that's change management stuff. But no, I mean, the business black belt kind of gets you into some of the strategic and operational areas as well as agility, as I say, um, and obviously getting into some of the more advanced tools. So it's a very, it's proving to be a very popular program, actually. Now, there is another level above that, uh, which is called the master black belt. And I think what happens here is the people decide they want to make a career out of this. And really, that's what I want to do for a living. You know, I'm going to become a specialist in this whole area. I love it so much. You know, I'm probably going to spend a bit of time working in one organization and maybe jump to another organization or come and join us in Catalyst. It's that kind of thing where you know, it's it's a whole world of that's all I do for a living. Really. And so many people end up in that space as well. It's so contagious, this field, I think. Once you get into it, it takes you over. It is, yeah. And, and there, are, there are different kind of types of master black belts out there as well. There are some who kind of get very focused on specific, you know, advanced tools. There are some who are more interested in uh, maybe the deployment of the approach. The thing I'm particularly interested in is helping organisations to how to deploy the approach inside their organization. How do I set it all up? How do I get it running? You know, let's talk about what kind of would be the appropriate training programs, mentoring programs. How do I get the right projects selected and all the rest of it as well? How do I make it happen inside the organization? How do I get the leadership on board as well? Mm. Really, really important, which is where the other, yeah, you know, the other book, Lean Six Sigma for Leaders, came from actually. That is an area we've touched on that on a previous episode. And that is an area where I think people need some guidance. So Lean Six Sigma for leaders sounds like a really good source of information that people could turn to. So that that's available, I presume, on places like Amazon and all the other bookstores that you Oh yeah. So check yeah. that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, you at Catalyst, obviously you offer the accreditations for all of the belts that you've described now and more sort of the agile and the lean stuff you do as well. Where can people go to find out more about that and, and get themselves involved in getting those accreditations? Yeah, well, I mean, come come to our website, catalystconsulting.co.uk. There's loads of information on there. It really is. You know, we try to keep it updated and all that sort of stuff. There's, there's case studies, stories, all sorts of things on there. Um, we work very closely with the British Quality Foundation, the BQF, who accredit the programs that we run. And that means that we can certify people. It's quite a stringent standard, actually. It's really good. I mean, this was set up a number of years ago, and Catholics were quite instrumental in, in helping to set up that, that approach because um, we felt that it needed to be pretty rigorous um, to get through that, to get certified. You probably know what I'm talking about. I know very well what you're talking about, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you also go on to like a register as well, don't you, once you once you are certified yeah, you through the BQF and, and employers can find you on that register to sort of verify that you do have the knowledge to the standard that you, you say you have. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about this certification approach is that you don't just go on the training. It's a lot more than that, you know, training, um, online exam, and then evidence-based assessment at some stage in the future, depending on the level that you're at, really. Yeah. So you have to have used this stuff for real and can show that you have used it for real to get properly certified, you know. 
Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes and future plans. Whether you utilize Lean, Six Sigma, project management or continuous improvement techniques, this certification celebrates your incredible work and positive impact. Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together. 13-time single prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author, Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere? Listening to some consultant, when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves. Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. The way I liken your model and the BQF model is like the teach me, tell me, show me method, because that's kind of what you're asking from people. You're teaching them. You then want them to do an exam where they tell you that they know what they know. And then the show me element is the case studies where they go away and practically apply what they've learned in their business. So there's value for their business there as well, because they're actually delivering benefits whilst they're learning. And then they can use that element to strengthen their case for their accreditation. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I can't, I can't think of many other training courses that you can go on and actually go back and actually the benefits that come through into the organization are tangible, you know, they're measurable as well. I mean, one of the things about Lean Six Sigma is that, you know, there is a very strong focus on measurement. So you would expect it, wouldn't you, that, you know, when it comes to delivering improvements that we want to measure, you know, measure the difference, whatever it is, it may not be financial, it could be, you know, various operational metrics, uh, customer satisfaction metrics, employee, you know, satisfaction metrics, whatever, all those metrics, and we can measure the improvement that's been made and quantify the benefits, which is, I think that's probably the main reason why this approach is so popular and growing in popularity, because it's not just talk, it's actual reality. And I think you learn the, the best lessons through the practical approach as well. You can you can read the books, Definitely. you can do the exams, but you really learn. The bit you don't learn in the books and the bit you, you don't learn through the exams is the people interaction. It's never the same. The different generations, the different experiences the people have had change the way they perceive how they do their role, the variation that occurs because of that. By getting out on the shop floor or into the call center or, or even into the office and talking to the people and interacting with them, you learn so much more. And I find that really supports the tools because it makes it click and you can really see how the two interact together. Yeah, de def definitely. And as you get more experienced, you find that you get more confidence about, you know, which which tools to to not use as well as which tools to use and when. So if you're going through a classic kind of improvement project and you're looking at the current state and you get to a situation where you realize, hang on a minute, you know, there's there's no point in looking at improvement here. This is a this is a design. We're going to redesign. There are such opportunities for redesign and maybe a digital, you know, maybe a multi-generational, you know, various steps and iterations of improvement as well. But you get more confident about that and and you get more confident about kind of breaking the rules when you realize that actually I don't need to stick rigidly to maybe what I learned on my training about you know define measure analyze improve control because I've got to the end of measure and realize you know in this case I could actually go off and redesign something so it goes off in a different route but it's very practical and it's still got the basic principles underpinning it you know about decisions based on on facts and data mm. you know rather than 
you know, we jump to the solution. We don't want to do that. We want to get people to really think through and get through to the right, you know, the right solution, the right, understand why things are happening mm-hmm. before we uh, before we jump to solutions. And, and that's something which we feature very strongly in the book about leadership as well. And that define, measure, analyze, improve, control, they are the stages that you work through in a Lean Six Sigma project. So if you was if you was going out there as a green belt, for example, and you were you're going to do an improvement opportunity, if you work through that logic, it takes you through defining what the project is all the way through to the control measures at the very end and, and allows you basically to keep spinning that flywheel to improve. Yeah, that's right. And that's for the improvement side of it. There's also a design side of it, which takes you through similar, but with design and verify instead of analyze and improve. So it's similar, but slightly different, you know, if we end up with a design. So, it's, you know, I want to stress Lean Six Sigma isn't just about improving existing process. It's also you know very applicable for designing new things as well. And we're integrating again into our business backup, for example, the, the design thinking approach now, which, yes, is fantastic you know why why not so yeah that's right we're working you're working your way through that when you're solving problems one of the things that's interesting is that there's uncertainty so i used to be a classical project manager in my old days you know and in my career i'd know what i was going to be doing we'd implement it and that's it you know i wasn't building bridges but i might be building you know electronic systems or whatever when you're solving problems, you don't actually know what you're going to discover, mm. yeah, until you get down into it and you're looking at it. It's a bit like solving a crime. In fact, we work with police forces as well. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's like, if you like the medical analogy, it's a bit like, you know, digging down, getting underneath the symptoms to get to the root cause before you put the treatment plan in place. So it's the same with this. And this business is about uncertainty. You know, we're not quite sure what we're going to discover until we get down there can be quite disconcerting for people because if they haven't been through this kind of approach, we don't actually know what we're going to end up doing. And you tell you tell some yeah. senior leaders that, you know, I'm running a project and I'm going to end up with, well, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do at the end of this, but we'll solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Defies logic, doesn't it, in some terms? <laughs> yeah, really? Are you sure? Yeah, just, just hang in there. You know, the, uh, the approach will work, trust the methodology, and it will work its way through. And when you've done it a few times, you get confidence in this thing actually does really work. It's fantastic. You know, so, and then, of course, you know. You've got to trust it. You've got to trust it. Yeah, it's really funny. My son, he's 10, and um, he was unloading the dishwasher the other day. And he went, Daddy, Daddy, look at me. He's listened to a few of the podcasts, right? He's a bit of a closet expert now. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, look at me. He goes, I'm carrying four plates because it's lean. He goes, I'm not having to walk backwards and forwards as many times. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Well done. Really cool. A couple of days later, you know, the little basket that goes in with the knives and forks in it. We was uh, putting the, the the plates and the stuff in the in the dishwasher at the, at the end of the meal. And he went, no, no, don't do it like that. And I was like, what's the matter? And we were mixing up the spoons and the forks and all that in the different compartments. And he went, no, you, you put them in the individual ones. Spoons go there, knives go there, forks go there. And I'm like, well, what, what does it matter? They all get washed the same. He goes, because when I put them away later, it's more lean because everything's organized. And I was like, oh, my God, this boy's 10. This is amazing. That is amazing. I have, a son, I have a son, he's a bit older than that now, but he does exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I think it permeates through. It's brilliant. It's just, it is, it's brilliant. It, it just goes to show how much we influence yeah. our children without realising we're doing it. So in the last couple of years, obviously the pandemic has changed things and the way people work has changed. Has that affected the way that people are are learning and, and sort of getting involved in Six Sigma and accreditation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we had to we had to learn and pivot very quickly when the pandemic kicked in three years ago. I mean, gosh, we really did because you know a lot of our work was face to face. You know, whether it be training or consulting, and it basically went off the edge of a cliff, and it was like, oh my goodness me but we all pulled together and we actually used agile thinking agile approach to work in sprints to to redevelop a lot of the training that we had to make it much more kind of virtual oriented with simulation activities with you know use of interactive whiteboards like Jamboard from Google or, or Mural or Miro um, Mural is one of my favorites at the moment actually and that and that again you know we can all see we can all come in um so we have absolutely kind of nailed that really and it's still running 
incredibly successfully now these virtual training courses i mean people it's great because people can come from anywhere in the world it it's kind of had a bit of a positive effect on us because it means that uh, you know we can get people from all over the world time zone wise the uk is not bad because you know you might have to get up early yeah and might go to bed late you know depending but we can actually pretty well cover the whole thing from one end to the other but yeah, no, it has effects. And I think people are still discovering what hybrid working really is. Hybrid working in particular is is quite challenging for some organizations we found, really. It's 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 really interesting because face-to-face is great. And I think we decided we run regular client events and um where you came along to one, as you know. And I think those events where you get sort of 60, 70 people in the room, you can't beat a face-to-face. I mean, it it really is tremendous it when is. you get people actually in the room um it's hard to hug people yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you're not in the room it in is. a virtual world and it's very 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 much a kind of you know connection people talking networking and all the rest of it and i think that will continue so we decided not to run any of those big kind of forums that we have as virtual events but we held off and then you know we 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 ran one recently at the ukri which was great actually on the the Rutherford Appleton Laboratory, you know, space, the Harwell campus, which is unbelievable. It was amazing. Uh, really great fun. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. We learned a lot about black holes and all sorts of things, <laughs> which is tremendous. But yeah, you've got to you've got to be one step ahead of the curve, haven't you? You have, and and you need to be able to adapt and overcome. And I think that's absolutely what you've managed to do with the training that you offer. And what's really good with it is you've got different options. So, you know, you do do the the online sessions where people can all join together in like a virtual classroom and, and learn. But you also offer on the other side of the coin, the individual self-paced learning for the same accreditation. So if, if people work funny hours or they want to try and fit it in amongst, you know, the kids and, and running the house and, and going off and trying to do your job, you can do it at your own pace as well. And I think having that balance and allowing people to make that decision themselves is absolutely brilliant. And I love that you offer that. Yeah, no, that's great. The self-paced learning. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, you can do that. I mean, it's hard. I think it's hard to do that. I mean, I'm Mm. one of my hobbies is photography, Matt, as you know. And, um, you know, so I'm always trying to learn more stuff. So I've actually subscribed to some online, you know, video based uh, learning for for photography and uh, it does require quite a kind of disciplined mind to kind of go back and onto the next module, onto the next module, onto yeah. the next module. But yeah, it's good. It's good because we offer support mentoring around that as well, which is great. So people can have somebody to talk to at the same time, you know, in between the sessions and all the rest of it to keep keep them going. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's super useful. And it's nice that then because you've got someone you can sort of chew the fat with because it doesn't matter how well a slide explains something to you. Sometimes you do need that human interaction to be able to, to get to the bottom of it. Um, so when people set off on this journey and, and start doing Lean Six Sigma, what are some of the common mistakes that you would sort of advise people to watch out for and be aware of? So from an organisational point of view, what you want to do is to get some case studies, some real concrete case studies and examples that you've worked through where you've proven the concept, if you like, that it works inside the organization that you're working with. So so get enough freedom from wherever you're working to better do some real, real example projects. If you're working in an organization and you're trying to get this going, it's pretty hard to do that. But get get enough surround around you, get some friends around you, get some case studies get a bit of freedom to prove the concept and then show that off, show that off, create a storyboard and show that storyboard. And then people go, whoa, that's interesting. And that will sell it more convincingly into your senior managers than anything else that you do, I think. Obviously, if you're working for an organization and the senior management team have decided they're going to embrace this kind of approach, then that's a whole different that's a whole different ballgame, really, because then there are traps about, you know, where they can not get it quite right. So the thing there is to to consider, are you going to adopt this approach across the whole organization? How is it going to be seen? Communications internally is really key. Again, there's a kind of almost like a selling job that people have to do because people are quite hesitant sometimes about this kind of stuff. If particularly if organizations have done similar things in the past and there might be a bit of what you might call residual stigma <laughs> in yeah. there from previous attempts. 
that have been made. So, you know, again, you've got to convince the, 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 the organization, convince everybody this is the way to go. And you can do that through real live practical examples, show and tell events where people come and see. And, and it's those people inside the organization who are showing off, uh, you know, the projects that they've run and the successes and the benefits and all the rest of it. And then success breeds success. It's not something, you know, although Catalyst is a consultancy training company, it's not something where you get other consultants and trainers to come in and do this to you. It's about getting the skills inside the organization, releasing that that potential that people have got inside the organization to do this stuff. What you find is that there will be certain people who are absolutely up for this. You know, they'll love it. They want to get on board. They want to get trained up. They want to get skilled. They want to try it out. And, and they'll be great people to come on board with it. You know, there'll be other people, of course, who are kind of over there thinking, no, nah, it's not for me. And, and they may or may not, you know, come on board, um, you know, at, at some point in the future. The real, the real test is getting to the point where this stuff is so ingrained inside the organization and we have a maturity-based measurement to kind of check out how, how far up the curve are you. You've got such a level of, of um, you know, embedded that when the CEO leaves and another one comes in, right, big moment inside an organization, that this stuff continues, mm-hmm. that it's just so unstoppable that everybody is kind of saying, no, this is the way we do things around here, it becomes part of the way we do stuff around here. But that takes time to get to get to that stage, you know, and it really does take commitment and time to get to that stage. So, I mean, there are there are many other kind of traps, I suppose, and pitfalls that you you may fall upon during during the way. You know, we talked about over engineering too advanced use of tool, advanced tools that turn people off too quickly. I think projects should be run short, sharp, sweet. Use that agile approach to get things done quickly. Don't again. Don't over engineer the projects. Just because I've been on a greenbelt course and I've learned all these tools and techniques, it doesn't mean to have to use them all. Yeah, at the same time. On my well. first project, I'm tempted to. You know, no, 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 no. Come on, let's be sensible. Having good guidance around is is good. Good support guidance to direct you in the right kind of way. Yeah. Right, Martin. I'm now going to put you to the test. Now we have a little game that we play on the Ever Celine podcast where I will ask you some random questions, completely off the wall questions, and you need to answer them, but you can't say yes or no. Can I say yes or no now? Because yeah, well, yeah, I've just said it. <laughs> and now, but it's it's actually much harder than it sounds. I don't think I'm going to last very long. No, don't worry. It's okay. Every, everyone's different. Uh, and the best thing is it's not live, so I can edit it out and no one will actually know how long you lasted. <laughs> so it's a good secret. Uh, I'll put 60 seconds on the clock and we'll see how you get on. Are you up for the challenge? I am. <laughs> that was a... You nearly got me there. Yeah, I am. That's a good practice. That was really good. And the questions are completely off the wall, okay? I can promise you now that you're not, you won't be expecting any of these. All right? Okay. Proper random. This is chat GPT generated questions that require yes or no answers. Okay. <laughs> right, let's get this going. I shall have yeah. Right, we have 60 seconds on the clock. Do not say yes or no. Have you ever gone on a hot air balloon ride? I have not. What is your favorite type of puzzle? Crossword. Good answer. Do you believe in the existence of the Loch Ness Monster? I do not. You sure? Absolutely. (laughs) What is your favourite type of board game? Chess. That's a good game. Do you find it's quite strategic? It's very hard. Have you ever gone on a cruise? I have. Where did you go? Croatia, off the coast. Was it nice? Was it cold? It was quite rough occasionally. Um... (laughs) Was that because of what you were drinking or because of the sea? (laughs) (laughs) What's your favourite type of movie? You did it, Martin! You've done it! You're kidding. You did it. Don't worry about the movie. Forget the movie. You just smashed it. Rom-com. 
Rom-com. I like rom-coms as well, especially American ones. Yeah, and I'm a, big, I'm a total big softie, really, honestly. I love a rom-com, yeah. Yeah, you shed a tear. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Something in the eye. That was amazing. You smashed that really, really well. You didn't, you didn't hesitate at all. There you go. It seemed like less, less, less than a minute, actually. Are we still doing it? Like... No, we're <laughs> it was a trick. We're done there. That was really, really impressive. I'm blown away there. And I can honestly say to those listening, that was the first take of that. We didn't do that multiple times either. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what to say. I'm completely... Lost thought. Don't say yes or no. No, I know. I will <laughs> be for the rest of the day. Brilliant. I'm programmed in now. I mean, I've now got to go and play chess. I play chess right. It's hard. It's hard to not say yes or no. Really hard. <laughs> so what's next for you then martin what's going on anything that you want to mention or let everybody know about oh gosh um so i would love to see this stuff applied in the wider world in the wider world in the bigger context because you know wouldn't it be great if we could apply these kind of tools techniques and methods and this thinking to some of the big society problems that are out there like you know better healthcare systems for example uh, better, better support in the community, education systems, and 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 you know. So I'm quite ambitious, really, when it comes to the thinking. But that would be the dream: would be to to be a big influence and work through influencing other people into solving some of the big problems that are out there in in the world at the moment. Here's an interesting stat, right? Apparently, in the UK, there are about ninety thousand male prisoners. Okay, in prisons, ninety thousand, roughly speaking. How many do you? How many females do you think there are in in the UK in prisons right now? Oh, I'd say half that. It's a fraction. It's about three thousand ish. It's an absolute, really yeah, astonishing fact. I don't know why I kind of I quite like facts and stuff yeah. and data, and I thought I'm nice. <laughs> Why? Now, the question is, of course, why is that? Yeah. You know, why? What's going on there? You know, so again, as soon as you get some facts, you want to di- dive into it and kind of use this stuff, don't you, to drill in, find out, well, what's the reason? What's the what's going on here? Why? You know, let's get better segmentation of data. Let's find out, you know, and, 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 it, and it prompts you to ask more questions and things. So it's not saying that's a problem that we should have more women in prison. That's not the answer. It's probably why there's so many men in, in prison. <laughs> um, and it just is a fantastic, you know, kind of piece of information. You think now without facts and data, the temptation is then to jump into having a, you know, you could imagine the dinner party com- or whatever conversation about, well, it's because of this or it's because of that. And what they should do is this or what they should do is that. I think, hang on a minute, you're doing exactly what we say we shouldn't be doing. We're, we're jumping into solutions, jumping into we understand, we think we know what the causes are and all the rest of it. And it, and it's the same, really. It's, it's Data is incredibly um, telling, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, so, you know, you could look at crime rates as well. And we have done some work with the police, and I know that they have adopted some of these approaches to looking at, you know, hotspot policing and all the rest of it and analysing data. So... This stuff has massive applications in a much wider context. You know, I'm one of the one of the bees in my bonnet at the moment is about, you know, I go back to the world of quality, which I've kind of learned more about and I've got more involved with the Charter Quality Institute and helping them do a few things. And I really quite like that. And I quite like to see the world of quality moving into, into the future. Because, you know, the traditional kind of quality manager, quality auditor, is, it, people don't kind of think, oh, that's really exciting. But actually, I think the future role, you know, who's going to be the person who's going to be looking at bringing how organizations get managed, how they pull all the stuff together, all the stuff that we've been talking about. You know, I think they have a tremendous opportunity. Um, so we've been helping them look at the competencies, uh, the competency framework for quality professionals in the future. But um, one of the things about quality that you learn if you go back to the world of, of Deming again and his book, Out of the Crisis, which he wrote back in the 80s, was about quality inspection. Quality inspection is regarded as kind of like the lowest form. It's not good. You know, as Deming would say, it's just not right. You're looking at the thing after it's happened. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. If you're inspecting things, the, the damage is already done. Um, so that's not the way to build quality into the system, into the processes and all the rest of it. And I see, unfortunately, I see a lot of that still still around, you know, with inspection-based quality. And I think there's opportunities for us to uh, opportunities for us as a 
as a community of you know professionals to have a bigger influence and change the mindset in maybe in governments even you know imagine you were mm. suddenly um put into a role as the minister for i don't know education or something you know um what what would you do um and i i get the feeling that what they want to do is to i've got to run some initiatives i've got to do something <laughs> i've got to be yeah, seeing yeah. You doing something something so that everyone can yeah. see <laughs> so everybody can see yeah that's right but actually this kind of thinking could be really helpful actually um yeah, so so that's my kind of big big dream, I suppose, is is to help um, be a big a bit of an influencer. The word catalyst is great, by the way. I love it because a catalyst is, you know, you go in and you help to f- ferment change, to speed up change, to you know improve and change things. And the funny thing about a catalyst is the catalyst actually in the chemical reaction doesn't actually get changed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. <It's> really- <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I don't think that's the case with you. From, from my interactions with Catalyst, you certainly lead the way and are a prime example of, of what a, you know, a well-structured, people-engagement-driven organisation can be, for sure. Absolutely. That's brilliant. I've also got, you know, as I said, the entrepreneur, the little entrepreneur in me. Uh, I've actually helped us start up another company over the last few years, which is in a completely different world. It's in the world of photography and um, lighting systems and all that kind of stuff. So I, 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 I kind of help and mentor that organization, which is doing okay. I won an award actually, the Amateur Photographer Awards recently, which is wow. great. Wow! So, where can people find out about that? Where, where, where's that? Oh, that's called Adapterlux. Adapterlux. Go on the Adapterlux.com website, and you'll see all the stuff. It's about lighting systems for macro photography. Look, you know, close-up photography and getting a more flexible and adaptable lighting system so you can adjust it and and you know run an app on your iphone so you can adjust the light levels and things like that so i kind of i don't have much time to get too involved in it but i i help out you know sam granger who's the uh, the ceo of that organization as well to uh, help and develop and support really so it's kind of quite nice yeah there's a brucey bonus for you you come on to learn about lean six sigma and you're going to leave with some uh from lighting and photography education <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Buy one, get one free. Um, and just really quickly, if people want to take part in any of the, the Catalyst accredited training, this is open all year round. There isn't term times or anything like that. People can sign up at any point and, and get going on that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Don't be frightened. Come on yeah, It's great. Don't be scared. They are a brilliant team. Definitely a brilliant team to work with. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Martin. You've been an absolute joy to speak with. And I think you've definitely given us some food for thought in terms of breaking down those barriers that people perceive for Lean Six Sigma, for sure. Thanks, Matt. It's a real pleasure. So some key takeaways from our discussion today with Martin. He made a really good point about using case studies to earn trust, build that trust, create that concept, prove that concept, and then create storyboards to sell it to the wider organization and the senior leaders. Really good advice. And earning that trust early on really does build those solid foundations to move forward with in the future. So creating those case studies, earning the trust on the low-hanging fruit, prove the methodology out in your organization, prove those doubters wrong is the best way to go forward. Think about communications, how you share activity and progress on what you're doing. How do you share that with the rest of the team? How do you share that with the frontline? How do you share that with the senior leaders? Really good point. Well put. Show and tell events is another thing that Martin touched on that I think is fantastic. You know, really visualize what you've done. Shout from the rooftops about how great the methodology that you followed is, what it's delivered for the business and how it's benefited the people. Great advice. I really love that. Build skills, knowledge and confidence within the organisation. We say it every single episode, but it's all about the people. If you can develop the people and take them along a journey with you, the business is only going to get stronger. The organisation will grow in strength and numbers. And it's an amazing feeling when you start to see all of these problems being solved at root cause level by various different people. It's not just one person's job. This is everybody's job. And then you can design new processes using Lean Six Sigma and similar methodologies to help you design them in a robust way. Super exciting stuff. 
try and convince your senior leaders that you don't need to know the answer at the outset of a project. Trust the process, follow the DMAIAC through, the define, the measure, the analyze, the improve, the control. Follow it through, trust that process, it does work and it will guide you towards a sustainable root cause problem and a solution that fixes that problem at that level. In time, it will become the way you do things. Trust it, go with it, it does work, I promise you. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Ever Celine podcast. Thanks to Martin for joining us today to help us understand what Lean Six Sigma is and the value that it can bring to an organization. It was fascinating hearing about the role that Lean Six Sigma and CI in general has to play in the current climate and how the delivery method has adapted to the new world, which is super interesting. If you haven't got a copy of Martin's books, Lean Six Sigma for Dummies or Lean Six Sigma for Leaders, get yourself a copy from all good bookstores on Amazon and alike. I thoroughly recommend it. Pitched perfectly. It is a great starting point if you're starting out or for reference if you're more experienced in this field. If you're keen on picking up an accreditation in Lean Six Sigma or other continuous improvement methodologies, visit Catalyst Consulting Limited at www.catalystconsulting.co.uk. Let them know that you listen to the Eversaline podcast and find out what's on offer. If you like the sound of today's show and you would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversaline podcast at eversaline.com. We'll also find episodes that you might have missed, so check them out as well. Also, if you're on the socials, search for the Eversaline podcast, give us a follow and let me know your lean efforts because I would truly love to hear all about them. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget Eversaline, you know it makes sense. The Eversaline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit eversaline.com to find out more. Yeah.